You're listening to TNM Coaching Unplugged. TNM Unplugged features the diverse perspectives of a thriving global community of coaches, leaders, and experts. And it's all for you. Hi, and welcome to TNM Unplugged podcast. Uh, today, I have very special guests with me, Vivian Ladamato and Sean Young. Uh, dear friends, colleagues, collaborators, and partners in crime, we have been anticipating and wanting to record this podcast for a very long time, and finally, we managed. <laughs> so today, yes. I really hope <laughs> that we will be sharing a lot of interesting things with you. And, you know, the topic of this conversation today, it's all about becoming the best possible version of yourself. Three of us will share our wisdom and we will talk in a round table and, and just chat around what do we need to do nowadays to really achieve that state of being the best possible version of yourself. As we all know, we're struggling with different things in our life, mainly with COVID and global pandemic, and there's a lot of uncertainty, ambiguity, and we would love to breathe in the fresh air into this conversation and support you and help you into guiding yourself through this process, navigating your internal landscape, and learning about you and how can you be the best possible version of you in these times. So Vivian and Sean, welcome. Very happy to have you with me today. Thank you for having us. Good to be here. So uh, you have been doing a lot of tremendous work in the last few years when it comes to creating and developing an interesting body of work, which is called The Works, which is one of my absolute favorite uh, personal development workshops. You have successfully delivered this workshop across the globe to many leaders and people and individuals to enrich and elevate their life as well. And I would love to talk about works as well and what is the essence of The Works and what works really offers to people and how can works enrich our lives. And then also you're nearly there with your book, right? The book is going to be published the next quarters, The Loved. And I would love to also cover a little bit more about the love than my favorite topic, which is love and self-love. And, and, and we'll talk about the book as well towards the end of this conversation as well. But let's start with works. You know, How would you like to introduce this body of the work and how would you like to link it into you becoming the best possible version of you? So who would love to start first? Vivian? Go, go on then, Sean. Vivian, why are you picking on me? <laughs> <laughs> okay, go, go, Sean. You know, where, would the love, where would you like to start with that? Well, let's start with what the works is about. Actually, we chose the name because uh, in the UK, the works means everything, the everything experience. If you were going to have the works for breakfast, you would have bacon, eggs, beans, uh, sausage, toast, you'd have everything, tea, you'd have the works. And of course, when we're looking at development, what we wanted to do is make sure that we did the same with a human being to look at the whole aspects of what made up a human being. Uh, and that's when we started to come together with this model of the physical, the cognitive, the emotional and the spiritual uh, and how to develop on all four levels in order to be uh, a fully functioning human being. Yeah. Yeah. Um, be because of that, I mean, we then designed a prolonged coaching process to get people to look at how they're doing in each of those four levels. You know, how are we doing on a physical level? How are we doing in a cognitive way? How are we doing emotionally and how are we doing spiritually? 
and giving people an opportunity to assess how they're doing uh, and what needs areas for development. You know, what, what, what do we need to work on to feel whole? Um, so that was the kind of the basis of the, of the works, yeah. Wonderful. And, and that sensation of feeling whole, it's integration of those four levels. Is that correct? That's correct, yeah, looking at all those four levels and how we uh, function as an integrated human being, uh, how they all impact on each other, how they all support each other, uh, and what happens when one of them isn't functioning well. Uh, how does it have a knock-on effect to the rest of them? Yeah, so we're looking at that relationship between all those four realms of mm -hmm. being human. And when you coach and, and, and get people through the works and you look at these four levels, where do you feel people are struggling nowadays and what is really impacting people the most? Or I would like to ask it differently. Where do you feel people are out of balance? Is it all four levels or just one or more or less? What would you say? Well, personally, we've seen them um, struggling on all levels uh, for different people, right? Mm -hmm. Some people are paying close attention to their body and the the nutrition, and they feel like they're getting enough exercise, and yet their relationships are suffering. Uh, they don't feel like they're on the right path in life. They feel like something's missing. Uh, and yet we meet people who uh, feel like their relationships are good, but some they're ignoring the body, you know, they're yeah. ignoring the, uh, the, the physical health, uh, or they're not cognitively stretching themselves. They're, they're finding it difficult to, uh, you know, read and, and, and look at education and, and think about themselves in terms of the cognitive health. So from our experience up to now, it's been a real mixed bag. Um, would you agree, Viv, you know, this has been, you know, our, your experience too, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think most people would find something on every level that they'd like to refine a little bit more. A lot of people have been struggling with the physical um, side of things in the last few months because their lifestyle has changed. And I think that's important. So it depends on context as well, not just the person. So I agree with Sean, you know, different things, different people. People are struggling with the physical side, as I say, because of lifestyle changes. And for some people, actually, their physical uh, health and well-being has actually improved uh, during lockdown and isolation because they've been able to, they had more time and yeah. more focus for themselves. Uh, for some people, it suffered because they weren't getting out and they were used to getting out and doing things that were giving them, for example, exercise. And although, of course, that physical intelligence is about a lot more than exercise, sleep, for example, a lot of people have lost sleep, had sleepless nights over the worry and the concerns and the anxiety. You know, people's mental health has suffered. Um, so I think, yes, it depends on the person. It depends on the context. We see different things at different times. Um, and, you know, in terms of what the works is, it, 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 it enables you, it gives you time for reflection on your well-being on all those levels. And exactly as Sean said, like, what does it mean to be human? And over time we realised, and that's how we came up with the works, that it's, it's many different things and there's, there's different aspects and you have to get them all, all balanced, you know, get all your balls in the air in order for you to be the best version of you, which is sort of what we were aiming at, if you like. And um, the coaching bit is the really important bit though. So that's the framework, but the process, the method 
is 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 coaching. It's bringing everything that we know about coaching into a process where people get to focus on themselves and do some self-coaching. So ultimately what they're doing is they're getting to know themselves better. It's what happens to people when they come to us as coaches, right? We're there to sort of create that space for them to think about themselves. They might have a challenge or whatever, but actually what they're doing is they're thinking about themselves and they're talking out loud about themselves. And so the works does that. It provides them with the the space and the framework, the roadmap, if you like, and also the right questions for them to start sort of reflecting and listening to themselves, listening to themselves. And the more that we deliver it and the more that we see the results, the more I realise that I think anyway, I don't know what you think about this, Sean, but I think that the magic happens because people are listening to themselves. It's the same as when you listen to other people. When you listen to other people, when we're listening to each other, there's magic there because, oh, because people feel heard and that's a wonderful thing. And it, and it, and, and you feel respected. You feel loved. Uh, you feel that you matter. You feel relevant. You feel you belong. All those lovely things that we are literally biologically hardwired to seek out. And and what this process does, it's occurring to me more and more as it goes on. Ultimately, at its core, it it gives you a, a process for creating that relationship with yourself, connecting with yourself, listening to yourself, understanding self, um, and and not and it's not about it's it's about focusing on self and giving yourself the kind of attention that you would normally give to somebody for whom you have unconditional love, high regard, and esteem. And it never ceases to amaze me how much all of us, all of us, me included, and I, you guys, I bet anything included, we do not treat ourselves with the same kind, level or quality of love and high, high esteem that we treat others. And that's interesting for me because it's it's a conditioning. And one of the things that I hear uh, that works is facilitating is to break that conditioning of you not listening to yourself and you not being kind to yourself and you're not giving yourself enough space, energy, attention, love that is required for you to become the best possible version of yourself. So when we think about works and we think about all these four levels, what is the way for somebody who is participant or who enjoys this body work to break that conditioning and to really begin focusing on that space that you've mapped, Vivian, of the self-love, care, attention to oneself, and to exercise that and to really live and embody that in everyday life. Well, that's exactly what the process is designed to do, right, Sean? That, that's, that is the whole aim, that as a result of doing this and entering into this, that that's what you get as an outcome. Well, right. That's how I would put it anyway. Yeah. And of course, what we're doing is we're not looking just at providing coaching for people, but we're encouraging people to use their inner coach, if mm. you like, you know, mm. to tap into this inner resource that we all, all have uh, through our inner dialogue and the relationship we have with ourselves and to get people to, to just pause, to stop for a moment, to, to, to assess the quality of that relationship that they have with themselves. Um, how are they, you know, treating themselves on a physical, cognitive, emotional, and spiritual level? What relationship do they have with themselves physically, uh, cognitively, emotionally, and spiritually? And do they love themselves on all four levels too? 
Uh, and of course, that takes it a little bit further into what we talk about in the book. But essentially, once we get the right relationship with ourselves and we ask the right coaching questions of ourselves, and as Vivian just pointed out, we really listen genuinely with care um, and attention, and we're really there for ourselves on all four levels, that's when the ball starts rolling in terms of um, starting to feel fully whole and uh, well in, in all areas of our life. Um, quite often we're ignoring certain aspects of our life. And the first step, I guess, here is to pay attention to that. What are we ignoring? And I think through the, the current times with uh, COVID, a lot of people have been forced to stop, uh, to reassess, you know, to reevaluate their lives on some level, um, to stop certain things, to start new things. And I think this is a period of time where we, we uh, naturally are going to start to reevaluate uh, the, the quality of life we're having and start looking for, well, for improvements. <clears throat> and this coaching process that we're encouraging people to go on with themselves as well as through our uh, trained coaches is to be able to not just assess it, but to look at how to then bring into the life uh, what they want on those four levels. Um, and what they can achieve, you know, to, to, to feel better in those four realms of being human. So it sounds to me like we're literally facilitating people through process of falling in love with themselves on all those four levels hmm. and making sure that they give enough space, energy, time uh, to, to, to be able to experience them being in love with themselves on those four levels, correct? Is that yeah. a good summary? <laughs> Yeah, but I'll tell you what I would say, though, if I'm honest. I would say yeah. not in love because being in love is a sickness. You know that, don't you? It's a chemical imbalance. When you're in love, you go like a crazy person. You do things you wouldn't normally do. You say things you wouldn't normally say. Everything goes to the wall except, you know, the focus and the object of our love and desire. And it clouds everything. And it, it kind of it, it means everything emotionally is challenged into that. Anyway, it's a, it's a chemical imbalance. Love is a different love with a capital L is it's different. It's the kind of unconditional love that it doesn't it doesn't mean that, you know, the object of our attention doesn't have to love us back. Love is doesn't require anything back. Being in love is a very different thing. And in fact, you know, in, in most languages there's more than one word for love because of the yeah. different qualities of love. Yes. And um so we're talking about what the Greeks would call agabi. As opposed right. to Erodus. So Erodus is the, you know, the Cupid's bow, Eros and everything. It's all connected with that kind of falling, falling in love. You know, the clues are in the language, right? We fall in love. We fall in, but love is different. Love is love with a capital L of the Agabi sort is unconditional, infinite. It has no limitations. Um, it doesn't require or depend on anything. It's a force of nature that happens. Um, when you give your commitment, when you, if you like, deliver yourself to it somehow, and it's, it never ceases to amaze me how few of us do that. And certainly not all the time, you know, that we may have moments of it, but it's how little love we give to ourselves. And for me anyway, I don't know what you guys think, but my personal worldview is that that's what my job is. That's why I'm here. I'm here to be the best Vivian I can be in this instance. 
to be the best version that I can be. And to do that, I need to give that kind of love and attention that I would give to my children. You know, uh, I might give to my animals even, you know, but how often do you really give it to yourself is the big question that is central to the works and, and to the, the book loved. Um, you know, how much of that do you get? What we say to ourselves in our own heads when we are not looking is shocking. The conversation is shocking. Think about it. What goes on in your own head when you're not looking? What do you say to yourself when you miss that, you know, that appointment or, you know, that doesn't go quite right because you didn't do this or you didn't do that or I could have, I should have. When we do that, Mm -hmm. you know, looking back in the rumination, the things that we say to ourselves are, it's unbelievable, really. And, and so being able to pause. And listen for a moment. It can be quite shocking for people at the beginning when we create that space and people really start listening to themselves. They, and then they understand that this is going, whether you believe it or you listen to it or not, it's happening. You are yeah. talking to yourself all the time. Yep. And as a part of you, even if you're not conscious of you listening, that is listening and you're taking that on board and you're believing it. Yeah. And then we wonder why we don't get what we want or why it's not as good as it could be or why our experience of life is just not as great as it looks on the outside it's it, i believe that that's at the core of it it's about the love and attention that we don't give ourselves and our we're so busy being on the hamster wheel on the outside that we haven't been attending to ourselves and giving ourselves that love and attention on the inside and maybe just maybe one of the good things that will come out of this 2020 experience that we've had is that at least for some, it meant that that hamster wheel stopped for long enough for them to have that realisation. And so we couldn't have imagined when we were putting the works together and when we began writing uh, Love nearly two years ago, that it would be ready at a time when we think that, you know, there there is a space that it, it can fill for people, for people who have, have yeah. particularly those who've made that realisation and, and, and are looking for maybe sort of a, a strategy for making sense of that. And Sean, would you comment on that? Yeah, I think while some people are unconscious about what they're telling themselves, there are some people who are fully aware. You know, they have to put up with themselves <laughs> all the time, you know, um, because it's very difficult to switch our inner dialogue off. It's ongoing. In fact, the only time it switches off is in deep sleep. Mm-hmm. Even in our dreams, we're still talking away and creating our experience mm-hmm. in our dreams. And if you imagine just taking your inner dialogue out, you know, and putting it alongside you, putting it into somebody else and imagine somebody else talking to you like that consistently, you know, following you around everywhere you go, criticizing you, beating yourself up, you know, say nice things every so often, but most of the time saying horrible, shocking things as Vivian was alluding to. Uh, you wouldn't want to stick around them for too long. You know, you would want to try and get run away. away from them. Uh, run away, exactly. Um, and we don't have the luxury of running away from ourselves. Yeah. So, you know, uh, be careful of what you say to yourself because you have to put up with yourself for the rest of your life, you know. And that, you know, whether you're conscious of it or not, being able to manage that inner relationship and that inner dialogue is the starting point, actually, of this uh, process of self-coaching. You know, being able to slow that down and have a a better conversation. 
And here is what I'm really curious about, because both of you, through your research and through works and also love, you, you touch that parts of getting to understand the inner dialogue and the quality of the inner dialogue that defines the quality of your life. Yeah. So now with the listeners, somebody is listening to us chatting about this and is thinking, okay, I can be in two categories. One is I'm unaware of my inner dialogue. I need to become aware, right? I'm not even hearing what I'm, what I'm saying to myself. And then you have somebody else who is saying, like you, Sean, beautifully said, you know, I'm completely consistently aware of my inner dialogue going on and on and on. I don't know how to manage because I'm simply, it's simply there talking to me all the time. So few questions here just to demystify this and to give something specific to, for the, our audience to think about and work on. Number one, how do you manage that inner dialogue? What needs to happen in your own human development for you to be able to be in such a deep relationship with you, to be able, first of all, to be aware of your inner dialogue and then to manage that inner dialogue to become more soothing, loving, unconditionally loving, like Vivian said, compassionate, uh, supportive, encouraging, instead of being uh, more negative, so to say. What would you say to that? Well, if I talk a little bit to what goes on inside your head and then I'll hand back over to Viv to talk about how to manage that conversation with love a little bit. You know, we all have the same processes that we go through. I mean, we may have different conversations, uh, but we're certainly having the same processes within those conversations. And to our minds, there's four things that happen within that inner dialogue. The first thing is what's called commentary. You know, we commentate on our experience of life we commentate on what time it is and whether we feel cold or hot or what's happening out the window or, you know, we commentate on what we see, what we hear, what we feel. And that commentary will determine the quality of our life to some degree. If our quality, uh, you know, if that commentary is very stressful, uh, then we're going to have a more stressful life. If we're very critical in our commentary, then that's going to have, you know, a knock-on effect to the quality of our life. And while sometimes we feel like we're behind the words and we're consciously speaking them inside our inner dialogue, there are times it feels like we're just listening to it, a little bit like having the radio on, and we don't have any control over it. What we do have control over is when we start to enter into that dialogue and start to communicate with it. Uh, Because what's happening in in there is we're asking questions all the time anyway, so we may as well consciously start asking questions. Uh, and that's the second thing that we're all doing in our inner dialogue is we're speculating, we're asking questions, wondering what's going to happen in the future, what's right. going to happen, uh, you know, with COVID. Um, and these speculations then set up either an optimistic view of life or a pessimistic view of life. Um And on the back of those speculations and questions, of course, it's human nature to have answers. And we're all trying to answer those questions all the time. But those answers that we give to ourselves have a huge knock-on effect to our experience of reality. It's where our beliefs are, our opinions are. Um, So, for example, you know, what's the future going to be like? Speculation, judgment. It's going to be horrible. (laughs) As soon as we've made that judgment that's going to have a huge knock-on effect to our experience of life. Whereas some people might make the judgment, you know, it's going to be fine, everything, everything passes, and we're going to go back to some form of normality. Yeah. Um, 
that's going to have a different knock-on effect to their experience currently and in the future. And then the fourth thing that's happening in there is we're having a conversation with ourselves and with other people, and this conversation is ongoing. Right. So once we become conscious of those processes, we can start to enter in and stop our commentary if we're beating ourselves up too much. You know, actually stop ourselves. Right. If we're constantly criticizing ourselves, we need to go in, notice it, and stop it. And then once we've put a pause on that commentary, we then can start to consciously start to ask questions, speculate differently, and start really listening to our answers and challenging our answers. And that's where the self-coaching comes in, right? And then we have this self-coaching conversation which supports us rather than hinders us, you know. Um, and that's been one of the basis of uh, of you know the book that we we've written: how to tap into people's inner dialogues so they can have a better conversation with themselves. Um, and in terms of how we then get people to 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 give themselves more love and attention, well, Vivian, I'll let you talk more about that. Well, that, that's the key, isn't it? You said, Lauren, what you know. Mm. What is it that uh, we can do to listen and then act on it? Well, listening, once you start listening, you really don't have any other option than to start acting on it because the minute you become aware of that, then you're no longer unconsciously unconscious. You are now consciously unconscious. You are aware (laughs) that this is going on. And from then on, you're in the driver's seat. You have the choice. It's a choice. And we say this all the time when we're doing, when we're running these programs, you know, this is not a skill that we're telling you about. This is not a skill that we are going to impart on you. You have this. This is a choice that you may or may not be making at the moment. But once you become aware of this stuff that we're telling you, even if you're not aware of it already, you have the choice to change your mind. You know, we've lost our minds, all of us to a large extent, simply because we're not listening. The way to get our minds back. Is not, you know, drugs and opioids, <laughs> funnily <laughs> enough. It's Sometimes. just to start, you know, paying, paying, yeah, paying attention, <laughs> pay attention, paying attention to what's important. What could be more important than your well-being and your inner equilibrium and balance, and especially at this time? I think it's becoming so apparent to us right now that we are all we've got. The, you know, the body that we're in, the mind that we have, the heart that we bring, the spirit that we bring. This is what we have. This is all we have. This is all we can be, be, be certain, you know, that we bring and we take with us. And it's astonishing how much, how little focus we give that. And, and we, we, we give that the, the four aspects of our beingness whilst we're being human. We're so busy doing, we forget to be human. And listening again, the more that we deliver this, the more that we see that central to this is this listening to self becoming familiar with self, building a relationship with self. And then once you do that, you start to care about self. And that's how you manage it. You become aware of it. You start observing. And observing your thoughts without judgment is the second most important thing. So actually just being aware of this and observing your thoughts is your first step, biggest step without doubt, on the way uh, to to well-being. Uh, but then it's being making that choice to do something about it by listening, realizing that actually this inner conflict of the conversation with myself is far, far worse than doing what it is I need to do to shut that conversation up. Let me give you an example. Many, yeah. many years ago, I was uh, 
a journalist. And like most journalists at the time, I was a chain smoker. I mean, I smoked for England. Smoking was a serious activity. And um, there came a time when I realized that, you know, this is something that they needed to stop. And I talked to myself about it and to other people about it for a long time. I had many, many different stories about this that I would tell various people that I might be talking to about it, about why I smoked, why I hadn't stopped. All kinds of fantastic stories I came up with. And the one on the, on the inside, of course, on the inside, I knew that none of these stories were true. Uh, I, the, the the story I told myself the most is that I will stop when somebody tells me I must stop. And of course, that never really happened. Even if I would be at the doctor and uh, and he, he might say something about, I don't know, my chest or something, but he never actually said the words, you must stop smoking. And so I went about my busy life, you know, it's fine. I'm not going to stop. But the the, the conversation in my head the more I became aware of it as I went on my own personal foundation uh, in the early years of being a coach was, okay, Vivian, you know, the coaching voice came in, okay, Vivian, I know that when you want to stop, you will stop and you will not stop until you want to stop. Now, that sounds very simple, but my recognition of those words on the inside was like a lightning bolt. I then realized I was not a victim of smoking. I was not an addict of nicotine. That is simply not true. All that was true for me in that moment of lucidity and realization was, oh, the reason I smoke is because I want to. Yeah. The reason I don't stop smoking is because I don't want to. Right. And when I want to, I will stop smoking. And it was within Week, probably months rather than weeks of that realization that I stopped from one day to the next because I could no longer bear to listen to myself saying that. You know, the truth was right there. I, I could not ignore it. And the, the inner conflict between what I was telling myself and what I was doing was not tolerable. And that's when I, when I put out my last cigarette and, and I, and I, and I never looked back. Um, it was the inner process. It was the inner dialogue and being aware of that that enabled me to do something I've been trying to do for a long time. And so it's very, very central to what we do. And the whole program begins with uh, an assessment that we put together that is designed to get people to see what I could see. You know, that it's the, it's the sheer reality of the current situation in relation to their uh, performance, if you like, or their how they see their opinion of yeah. or satisfaction with their well-being on a physical level, a cognitive yeah. level, um, an emotional and spiritual level. So once they've done that assessment, and it's just a self-assessment, they can see for themselves how they how are they what do they think about their their well-being on each of those levels. Nobody else's opinion, just them. And then you know, and the chance to think about it. what do you think about that? Is there anything you want to change and what might that be and then creating the road map for them to be able to do that it's uh, you know <laughs> we think it's magic nothing short of magic to get in touch with what's going on on the inside to give yourself that kind of time and focus and then literally it, and i really don't think i'm exaggerating when i say all things are possible from that moment you can have the life that you want you can design, start designing your life, consciously designing what you want to get the outcomes that you want, literally manipulating your reality simply by changing the way that you see things. And that you can change the way you see things only 
when you gain the awareness of how you currently see them. Uh, and this is central to coaching, guys, right? You know, you need yeah. to know, wh- what do you want? Well, where are you now? You've got to see the reality now in, in the moment. Where are we? What's our goal? Where do we want to go? And then we can see the gap. That's coaching, right. you know? And once you've established what that gap is, then you can come up with ways of bridging that gap, getting where you want to go from where you are now. It's coaching. It's yeah. very simple. Yeah. And for me, what I would love to, it's so much that you shared here and a few things that I would love to pick up and just kind of unfold further uh, with you guys is that you mentioned choice, which I think it's absolutely amazing that people will choose once when they understand to go, uh, once they understand themselves from inside out, they will choose to do what I need to do. The other one that is challenging for people, from my experience, when it comes to coaching is accepting that responsibility. And having that willingness, there is something there that once when you choose, you have to have willingness to be able to accept responsibility, to be able to emerge as new, as Vivian, you said, everything is possible. Once when you're there, you can create your reality from inside out. You can curate your life in the most beautiful way, but you have to be willing to, and you have to take responsibility. And and. Sometimes, to be very honest with you, I struggle with that when I coach people because I arrive to that point and then there is a lack of willingness or there is lack of willingness to really become responsible. So it's a little bit easier for me to blame it on this, on that, and the other, and the external circumstances do not allow me to do so. Even sometimes when I get coaching from my coach, I will go into that space. I haven't done that because of this, because of that, because of the other. So what I would love to unpack, if that's okay with you, just looking a little bit more into that choice, willingness, responsibility, or any other word that pops in that will empower people in that direction. So anything that you would love to share and comment on that? Yeah, I think you know quite often what people are doing is they start to become conscious of what they need to do. You know, they they can hear themselves give themselves the advice that they need to take. But you're absolutely right. It's that final step of putting that advice into action that that they people have so many excuses for. I mean, it's unbelievable how many excuses people can come up with in that moment. Yeah. And and we, we often say to, you know, people, especially through this process, you know, well, what advice would you give to someone you love about this particular situation? And they're very quick to come up with that advice. And then we say, okay, now if they were resisting it, what would you say to them? What would you like to say to them? You know, how would you help them to overcome those resistances? Because if you really care for somebody, you know, I think about my uh, nine-year-old son. I nearly called him eight then. He would be horrified. <laughs> but my nine-year-old son, uh, you know, he's, he gets so anxious, you know. And as a parent, um I would do anything to take that anxiety away from him. I would. I, I want him to believe that everything is going to be okay, seriously, and actually he's making things worse in the way that he interprets things, the way he thinks about things, the way he misinterprets things. And it's so easy for me to see as a parent what he's doing to himself. And from a position of unconditional positive regard, as a parent – you just want them to be able to just stop doing it. I want to shake him and just say, just believe in yourself. Yes. It's okay. Yes. And um, 
and that if if you know if people tap into that quality of what would you want to do for somebody like your son like somebody you care about you would want to just do it for them now when we start to tap into the inner dialogue in the inner coaching this becomes really interesting because now it's you talking to you it's not you talking to your son anymore or you talking to a, a loved one it's you talking to you so if you would just change their mind for them if you could then what's stopping you from changing your mind for yourself? You know, and, and that, I think, is a really interesting position to get people into because quite often you start to hear the fact that they don't love themselves with the same vigor that they love their son or they love that, their loved ones. And, and quite often it boils down to that. It boils down to the fact that they're not treating themselves with the same regard as they would with somebody they care about so much. Uh, and there could be a whole host of reasons for that. You know, they've been brought up to, yeah. to not value themselves, not to feel good enough, uh, to think about others before themselves. It's selfish to put yourself yeah. first. You know, all of these messages that people have. And what we're trying to do is to get people to recognize that actually they need just as much care and attention and as love from themselves in order to overcome those obstacles that we put in the way of our own development. So we have to meet ourselves with that same kind of care and attention and through self-coaching, through coaching with a coach, we can get people to push past that I'm not good enough or right. I don't deserve this yeah. and to really slow down on this process of, listen, you you know, if you did deserve it, what would you do differently? Uh, and then what's stopping you from feeling that and from behaving and acting on that? And at some point, people click. You know, at some point, people move past that, uh, that resistance and fully open up to acting out of love rather than acting out of fear yep. or limitation. They start to out, out, act out of love for themselves. And now that magic wand that we'd like to wave for our son to stop him being anxious, we start to wave that magic wand for ourselves. Uh, whatever topic it is, you know, I'm just giving that as one example. Wonderful, wonderful. What a great reflection there. Vivian, any comment on that when it comes to that choice, willingness, responsibility, engaging in life? Yeah, we kind of, every time we use the word responsibility, we realize that, you know, it's, it's literally, it's not about taking on, you know, we've got this idea that responsibility means the responsibility is the, you know, taking on this burden or this, you know, this something big that we need. It's actually just the ability to respond to what happens to you, the ability to respond and to do, you know, what needs to be done in order to get the best outcome. That, that's how we see this responsibility. And, and again, our responsibility as individuals and as a collective to take care of ourselves, our job as a part of the collective, our gift to the collective is to take care of our part of the collective, which is the me, the I am. And to just accept that, that the important thing about you is, is who you are, not what you do, not what other people think about you, not how you compare to others. Uh, and not how many pennies you've got in your pocket or the size of the car that you've got in your garage or the, you know, how many living rooms or bathrooms yeah. you've got. It's none of that. It is it, it just simply who you are, who you choose to be, because it is a choice that you make. 
and being able to respond to the all creation that, you know, being Fred Kaufman is one of our favorite, you know, sort of um, leadership lecturers, if you like. And, um, and he talks about, you know, being a player rather than a victim, you know, mm. not being, but not being stuck in this mythology of, you know, it's, it's because of something else, you know, our, it's, it, we blame everything from, you know, he talks about people walking into meetings and saying, and talking about how they got stuck in another meeting, the language that we use, you know, in the third person, I got stuck in another meeting. Like, no, you chose to stay in the other meeting longer than you could have done in order to be at this meeting. Yes. Yes. The file got lost. You're blaming the file. The file got lost. It, it, you know, it did something wrong and took the wrong turning rather than I lost the file. We start when we're children, you know, the toy broke, the toy broke all by itself. I wasn't there. Fred, Fred does a wonderful piece on YouTube about this. But anyway, this is this is the nature of responsibility. And I'm really glad you brought it up because it's an important part of self-love. And it's not a word that you often associate, you know, with self-love. It's a word that we've, like so many words, that we've used and abused until we no longer really understand the full meaning of it. But it's a really big one. Self-love, high regard for self, responsibility for self and for what self uh, achieves what self creates, you know, and seeing that as our main job rather than our job is to get or to have or to achieve or to become or to beat, to beat the competition. You know, the com other people have become our competition in this insane world that we've built. It's insanity. And that I believe strongly on a very personal level and in the work that we do together, that is our job to stop the insanity and it has to begin with self. And the way first is to gain back, take back control of our own minds. And to do that, the first and most important step is to start listening. It's so simple and so easy to disregard it. But if, if, I, if I would say just one thing to anybody, if you do nothing else, start to listen to what goes on in your own head and ask yourself, are you okay with that? And if not, what are you going to do about it? because nobody else is going to do anything about it. And it will continue if it's okay. And if it's good, it will continue to provide you with all the the wonderful benefits and abundance and rewards yes. of being here. Yes. And if you don't, if it's not satisfactory, then it will continue to provide you with exactly the opposite. And you will continue to wonder why they've got what they want, he or she or they, but I don't. And you will continue to feel like a victim of life rather than somebody who creates life i can hear what you're saying vivian that you know there's a difference there between self-love and self-esteem right and for years now self-development has relied on self-esteem yeah it's relied on uh feeling worthy you know and and how do we do that most of the time it's in comparison to other people and other situations even in comparison to ourselves in the past and self-esteem has this kind of value judgment attached to it, whether we're conscious or not. Uh, and of course, self-love avoids that pitfall. It brings all the benefits, but it avoids that pitfall of uh, a value judgment because l we have enough love for everybody to be uh, included in that process and there's no comparisons needed. So in terms of wanting to, to, to make a choice and take responsibility, we come up with less excuses when love is involved. We come up with a lot more excuses when we're trying to fight for our self-worth 
mm-hmm. and fight for our self-esteem. Uh, and that's where we start to blame and, and to attribute responsibility elsewhere. But actually, uh, when we start to open up rather than close down, uh, we start to accept and open up to responsibility in a, in a very different way. Mm-hmm. It's not me versus you, it's me and you, you know. Um, yeah, so I just wanted to mention that. Absolutely. And, you know, I wanted to mention as well that for me, it all ties down beautifully because, you know, if you go, if you go back into conversation of, of works and four levels of, you know, physical, cognitive, emotional, and spiritual, once when you are truly able to integrate those four levels and you're able to live and fulfill them, then this responsibility or ability to respond to life becomes natural. And, and as Vivian, you said, it, it's not the burdensome. It's not something that you carry on your back and you have to struggle through it. It's more like, yes, I am willing to respond because now I can, because now I'm balanced across those four levels. Yeah. I can do and be whoever I want to do and be. There is nothing holding me back because simply I attain the level of self-mastery in a certain space that exactly. will enable me to be able to respond to life. Yeah. So Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's an outcome. It's, it's an, an outcome. outcome. Yeah. A lot of the things that we seek are actually outcomes. You can't, you know, the, those wonderful books about, you know, doing magic well you can't do magic unless you become magic you can't you know you have to align with what it is that you're wanting and and i do believe that you know that you can make a really great analogy with frequencies you know Mm -hmm. what you will get what you will hear what you will receive uh, your your playing ground if you like is defined by the, the frequency that you're on and it depends and it's a choice that you make but it's only a conscious choice once you start knowing yourself, listening to yourself, understanding yourself, have a relationship with yourself, sort yourself out. You know, we often say, oh, well, I take those words very seriously. Sort yourself out means get to love yourself, get to know yourself, get to listen to yourself, spend time with yourself. Another thing that is shocking is how little time people know how to spend time with themselves. I know people personally who will say, no, 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 I can't stay, stay alone, alone. What do you mean alone? alone in a room with no television and no iPad and not, I'll go mad. I will go mad. They, they, people are afraid of themselves, afraid of what they will hear or not even aware that there will be anything to hear of the void. Who knows? But there is a fear. There is so, so much noise in our lives, so many different messages, so many people telling us who we should be, who we could be, what we could have. We should do another one of these on marketing. Don't get me started on marketing because (laughs) one of the many distractions (laughs) from self. Have you guys ever played that game? You know, when, you know, I'm pretty certain I've played it with both of you, actually. That question about, you know, what would you do if you were gone for 10 seconds and you could, you know, change one thing in order to create a better Mm. world? What would you do? Go on then. What would you do? Remove adverts from TV. (laughs) What would you do? I would. I would change. I would evolve educational system. Yeah, I know you would. You would. That's a big passion of yours, isn't it? More power to you on that one. Um, I, I, I said it before, and I'll say it again. And I think the way to change the world is instantaneously because you know I'm going to be God for ten seconds, so I can do anything. Is for everybody to know who they really are instantaneously. And, and I and I I've I've not been able to think of a better way, in my opinion, anyway, 
that would change the world and bring about the sort of world that we want to see of love and compassion and peace and joy and happiness and, and people fulfilling their, their ultimate gifts and, and bringing those gifts and enjoying being here. That's what I would wish that I would be able to somehow for everybody to instantaneously, simultaneously imagine. It makes me excited just thinking about it to know who we really are. So it's from this space of of realizing who we really are do we start to see other people for who they really are, you know? Because at the minute it sounds like we're always talking about self, you know, um, and that's not the outcome. The outcome isn't to just be I'm okay, uh, sort everybody else. <laughs> you know, the very fact that we're focusing on self is because this is a coaching process, and that's what we do as coaches. We we tap into that individual who's in front of us. But from that space, uh, people will then relate to others in a much more whole way. Uh, they come to relationships not expecting to be completed by other people. They, they, you know, we, it'd be nice to see relationships come together as two wholes rather than two halves. You know, and again, be able to work together, to collaborate together, uh, to make things. Uh, you know to change things and to live in a world that we want to live in, you know, together. Yeah. So I know it sounds like we're talking about the self all the time, but actually the outcome of that is uh, much more love and harmony between people as well and collaboration and, of course, a better world that we want to live in. Mm. And, of course, that moves us into another Really interesting subject and, and one that we touch on, you know, the idea of unity consciousness and what that really is. What do we mean by that? You know, and and this whole idea that, yes, you know, I mean, ultimately there is nothing else. It is all about self. You are me, I am you and all the rest of it. And if we all were to just focus on our part of the collective is self, you know, that's my job. I, my job is to look at after that part of the collective that is called Vivian, that, that I am, and his part is Sean and your part is Zora, but we are all part of the same thing. And if we all just keep our eye on the ball, our ball, you know, I'll be the best I can be, you be the best you can be, stop concentrating on me, don't look over there, don't focus on what they're doing, focus on yours. Then we can all not only experience life in a, in a divine way, but we can experience others in a divine way and we can experience each other. So this, and that for me, the natural outcome of that is collaboration. We don't need to try to do that. We don't need to try to connect. You can't connect to something of which you are already a part. And I, I, I believe with every cell of my beingness, I do not need to connect to you or to anybody else. We are connected. And every time I make the attempt to connect, I'm in denial of the truth of our existence. For me, that's, that's, that's the essence of unity consciousness. And this, what we're doing now with the works and with love is a, is a small step on the way to that. You know, it's sort of one way in, if you like, one, one way of channeling ourselves, uh, and our, our work on ourselves in that direction, if that makes sense. <clears throat> Absolutely. So we have a few minutes left and I would love to shift into one last topic and then we can close down this conversation today. I just want to comment a little bit on that, that, you know, the natural outcome of your ability to be the best possible version of yourself is then service to others. And I love, Sean, what you shared that, yes, we're talking about self, we're focusing on self, 
But at the same time, when we give self that space of unconditional love, focus, attention, everything that we talked so far, then as Vivian, you said beautifully, the natural outcome of this is service to others. You begin collaborating and co-creating because it's a natural movement to the next level of you. You're not just standing there thinking, okay, now I'm happy. Now what? You know, now I want to give. Now I want to contribute. Now me, holistic me, I want to play with other playmates. And then you create magical yes, things with yeah. other people. So that's the reason why we actually want to empower holistic self to work so that people be able to mobilize exactly. and then exactly. give to the, yeah. to the whole. So let's quickly jump into just one last topic because we mentioned the book at the beginning. We mentioned the love. Then we're going to have a different podcast when we really unfold and unpack the whole body of knowledge that has been in love. But I just want you to mention a few bits and pieces about love that are dear to your heart and you feel are connecting to this conversation uh, at the end of this podcast. What would you like to share on that? Uh, well, it's essentially feeling loved on all those four levels that we've talked about so far today. You know, how are we doing around that? Do we feel like we fully love ourselves physically, uh, love ourselves on a, a cognitive level, on an emotional level, on a spiritual level? Uh, and if we're not, how do we move towards that so we can feel fully loved and we can live a life that feels loved, that is loved, uh, together. And that's the main premise of the book. Um, and of course, the process we put people on is a self-coaching process, because they're going to be working through those four levels with themselves, looking at how to increase their well-being and love for each of those four realms. Um, and what it gives people, ultimately, is is access to a wisdom, an inner wisdom that we all have. Whatever language what people want to use, higher self, you know, um, a spiritual source, God. Um, we've tried to keep the book not just faith neutral, but belief neutral. I mean, it doesn't mm -hmm. matter whether you mm -hmm. believe or not. There is still this uh, experience, direct experience of of knowing when we're acting out of love and out of wisdom and when we're not so that's what we're hoping to do with this book is to help people to tap into that inner wisdom that inner love and from that position having freedom i mean in its truest sense freedom to 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 choose a life that they want to live uh, and to choose how to co-create a, a life that we all want to live um so i in a very quick summary that's how i would uh, talk wonderful. about the book in a nutshell yeah. yes wonderful vivian anything else do you want to add to that yeah no i think that's exactly what it is and and you know how it came about was that we we have been saying for so many years haven't we sean as we've you know we we deliver self-development leadership development coach development talent acceleration programs all over the world to corporations and to people who are in corporations who are sponsored by their corporations and we were saying for years, how wouldn't it be great if we could bring these skills to everybody, not just those who are in a corporation who's, who's got a corporation who will sponsor it. It, it. It's expensive, right, to do that kind of thing. And it's not generally been accessible to all of us out, outside of that. And, and it was as we have been developing the works and delivering the works that we realized that um, we can put this into a book and make this accessible. So it's the most accessible way of getting to the works is through love, if you like. So that was the our intention when we started writing the book was to put this all together, to condense it into a book 
that people could, you know, pull off a shelf and and use as a handbook for a better life. That's what what it is. Loved is a handbook for a better life. And the goal of for our goal, as we said, was to open this up, this this coaching mm-hmm. process, this magic of coaching to everybody through the framework of, you know, the four aspects of being human from an integral perspective, in other words. And um and yeah, and to make that possible. And and it turned into this handbook for a better life, because that's the outcome that we would like everybody to have is for them to feel really good about themselves in themselves and then to be able to play with us for us all to be able to play and to do what we were sent here to do which is to have fun and joy in our lives and to and to stop suffering yeah (laughs) so i hold to having the fun and joy in our lives so any last few uh, comments or remarks? Where would you love to leave our audience with? Anything that you would like to share just to wrap up and feel complete with this conversation? And something that you would really love to leave our audience with as they uh, go on with their life, uh, empowered by listening to this podcast? Love thyself. Final. Yes. Uh, Vivian took the words out of my mouth. You know, treat yourself as a loved one. So love thyself, treat yourself as a loved one. Yes, yes. So it's all about so love. love. Enjoy. You. I love you. Every morning, I love you, Viv. Viv, I, God, I love you, Viv. You're amazing. I love you, Zora. And every morning, I say this to myself. Sean, do you I do the same thing? <laughs> no. <laughs> Doesn't matter. We love you, Sean. We love yeah, you. We, we love, love you, Sean, anyway. Good. We love you for we you. We love you I anyway. Just, I just want to thank you for a wonderful conversation today. Thank you so much for for stepping in, creating time and sharing your wisdom with the audience. I'm sure that we're going to listen to this again. I'm definitely going to listen to this podcast again. There were so many things that we've shared and captured and and unfolded. And it's a rich packed with the beautiful, empowering messages. So once again, thank you both for coming up to this podcast and we'll continue soon. Thank you, Zora. It's been lovely. I've really, really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you for giving us this opportunity. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Yes, thank you all. Bye for now. Bye for now. Bye-bye.